Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I cook all this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. Today is Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. This is episode 140-140. Guys, we've only got two more interviews before the year is over, but I am so excited for you to hear this one. It's with my man, the very talented DJ producer based out of Southern California, Burko. I caught one of him a few months ago, and I knew I had to have him on the show. I listened to one of his tracks, and then I ended up listening to every single one. This guy has an awesome sound, but he's so much more than just a DJ producer, and it was great to get his full story. In episode 140, we discussed his early inspirations and influences. Being based out of Southern California gives you such an incredible look into a very special scene because of all the different types of people that live there. He was influenced by dance music at a very early age and it made a huge impact on him and he's never looked back. We also talked about his journey from DJ to producer. A DJ first, Burko surrounded himself with some incredible producers early on, which eventually led him to making production the forefront of his brand. He coins his sound Medieval House, but I'll let him describe that to you for himself. We also discuss how he's been building his sonic identity. This is someone who never wants to make the same song twice, but he still holds certain foundations of his style to a level at which his listeners can recognize this is a Burko track. And I'm telling you, if you guys haven't listened to his music, go check out every single one of his songs and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We also ran through his entire discography thus far. His first release was in 2019, and he's released a slew of remixes, collabs, and originals since then, including Gimme More, released on Box of Cats, and Inferno, which was released on Kino Village, a label in which he's head A&R of. Now, like I said, I wanted to have Burko on because this guy has such a special and unique sound. So for any producers out there that are looking to maybe challenge themselves or hear about new types of strategies and plugins and ways to think about music, Take out your pen and paper because this guy has really, really great advice on what to do when it comes to coming up with no ideas, structuring your music, music theory, everything else in between. Really, really inspirational stuff and I know I learned a lot. I had such a great connection with Burko right away. He is such a talented individual and he's really got his head on straight. He's focused on the future and this guy is a businessman as well. I can't wait for the world to see what he's got coming because he is such an incredibly talented producer. He's got a unique sound and he's so determined to make it for the long haul. Let's do it right now, guys, so you can hear his story for himself. This is episode 140 with Burko. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my man David Burko here, a.k.a. Burko. Coming to you live from San Diego. Look at that sky, dude. Is that the ocean in the back? Uh, not quite. I think we're about like wow. 20 minutes inland. But um, like... I mean, if I stood up a little higher, I could probably see it. <laughs> no, we can't move your computer. We can't disconnect. <laughs> no, we can't take that risk. We've already had some difficulties. <laughs> dude, it's, it's such a pleasure to be talking to you, man. Um, like I said, our, our mutual yeah. friend is Diaz. Uh, send each other our information. Shout out to Chris. Um, it didn't take me long to like your music, bro. I would say maybe the first 15 seconds. I can always tell when you listen to a producer, especially in the house music and tech house game, 
how does that first 15 seconds sound? You know what I mean? It's like an impression you make on someone. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Like the sound design's perfect. I'm already a fan. And then when the songs started building and I listened to everything, I was so impressed because in my eyes, you're doing something that is pretty unique within the house music realm. So I'm really excited to talk to you about your music, what you've released, what you've got coming out, your label that you're the A&R of, your shows, Everything in between, man. Your inspirations, uh, inspirations and influences seem like the guy, so I'm pumped. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for introducing us, and um, glad you like the music and excited to get to chat with you about it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, let's start in the beginning. Tell me where you're originally from, growing up. What was life like for you in the house? When was your first exposure to music? Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm from San Diego too. Uh, one of those rare people you find in San Diego that actually grew up here and uh, <laughs> True. Uh, first exposure I, I'm classically trained for piano so um, first exposure was doing like lessons and stuff in my early years I don't know maybe five to eight I was in like piano recitals on a, every maybe quarter of the year um, so I did that for a bit and then uh, switched to some like guitar and so I, I kind of grew up playing like live instruments and then as far as like electronic music um, probably not the route you'd expect. I definitely got into it with like U- UKF, like dubstep and yeah, like, the YouTube channel. Like, yes, like August Mix and all that, and like <laughs> probably like favorite two like artists that I that really got me into it were like Feed Me and Mord Fustang, like some of that electro house <laughs> old school. So that that's how I like kind of got into it in like middle school, maybe high school, um, and then got corrupted in college into house music. Uh, as I was a resident at e- uh, EOS in Santa Barbara, they all corrupted me. So, but for the better. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, it was uh, that was kind of my first exposure to it. Now, you were playing instruments pretty early on. Were your parents musical, or like, what's it like in your family? And what's what's your dad and mom like to listen to? Uh, my dad is musical. Played bass guitar and uh, acoustic. And my mom, I think she's musical. I mean, she's kind of like a more of like a singer type. Okay. And. Uh, her mom, my, my grandmother in Florida had this amazing gift of like giving her a grand piano, uh, like a baby grand piano. It's still like, uh, in the living room and nice. Yeah. Just, uh, never looked back, I guess. I mean, I guess I did. Cause I stopped playing for quite a long time and like completely forgot. I mean, I can't even read music anymore, but like, I think that having that foundation of like, just knowing what sounds good and like, kind of, I think that stuck with me more than like the technical aspects of it, which yeah. is fortunate. Yeah. It does kind of build. Like, I, I remember uh, I didn't play piano, but my parents made me pick up the guitar. And when you're, when you're young, like, the last thing you want to do, unless you're that are playing instruments and stuff or playing in a band, you just want to go play video games or go outside or whatever it might be. And I remember being like, Mom, sorry, like, guitar hurts my fingers. Like, this is not going to work for me, right? Like, what a horrible excuse. Yeah, the priorities are definitely shifted. Now <laughs> I wish it was the opposite. Oh, if I could go God. back. Yeah. <laughs> what I would do to be able to play the guitar these days and be able to apply that to electronic music. But that is one of the coolest parts about electronic music to me is there are so many layers of music theory and percussion and bass and guitar and leads and everything and vocals. And it's so cool we can do these days, man. It's like literally unbelievable. It gets better and better every year. It's unlimited. It seriously is especially with like some of the software that's coming out that's just like sounding better and better and like you just can't tell the difference i mean it's literally exponential i mean it's, it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird analogy but like 
I think of like music production, like Ableton, it's kind of like its own little little universe. And then there's like little laws of physics, right? And like our universe is laws of physics. And same with Ableton, it's like like laws of physics. And then each day you're trying to figure out how to like break them and bend them and do different things. And then yeah. with new softwares coming out with new sounds, that is this infinite way to create new things. So it's just, I'm excited. I mean, it's just going to keep getting better and more integrated. Yeah, I love that perspective, man. So I want to know more, it's like, I grew up in the Midwest, obviously, you know, I told you I was born in Santa Monica, so I, I've always uh, tried to keep a pulse on the scene there, but for someone that grew up in San Diego, you said you went to college in Santa Barbara? Yeah, UC Santa Barbara up there. Oh, man, dude, actually, I've been to that campus. I, I, went, I went to LA with my mom and dad and brother, and we drove all the way up to San Francisco, uh, and we stopped in Santa Barbara on the way. Wow, that place is a fucking vibe. Holy shit too much fun it's ridiculous seriously dude great scene <laughs> there great music scene there right i've seen like people i mean really all levels of house djs as big as like justin martin or people like bijou and stuff like that they play there so there's a pretty good electronic scene there right yeah there was like one club that was uh getting in on like the ground floor of all the house stuff and it was uh, eos which is owned by my buddy bick um I was lucky enough to get introduced there right as soon as I was turning 21 and started DJing there immediately and then got a residency and was doing like eventually just that and marketing for them. And um, yeah, it's a blast. It was was perfect. And then that was like the only place really booking like house. There was like Matrix, but that had just opened up and they were doing like Future Bass and Trap booking people like Luca Lush and like that whole kind of uh, different vibe. So totally different crowd. But um, yeah, Eos was like kind of the staple for house in there. Still is. I mean, (laughs) pre-covid yeah of course so you were djing before you're producing then much before yeah i mean i um i started djing in 2015 and um i remember just starting to learn right before i was like about to go study abroad and i studied abroad in the netherlands um a little a little city called utrecht about like 30 minutes from amsterdam by train yeah i actually know that city yeah really yeah so i was there and um like that those were my first live shows were playing in the netherlands and like <laughs> at the time like i wasn't even playing house yet i was still like really into like the weird dirty bassy trap stuff and so i was like <laughs> playing this look bass for like people dutch people don't even know what that is like there's like yeah it was pretty funny it was, it was pretty ridiculous but that was like kind of my first like those were my first shows and um awesome. then when i came back from the netherlands that's i got i got introduced to my buddy uh, chris johnson um, good friend of mine and he was the promotions manager for EOS. And so he then connected me with them and started getting me in there. And, uh, wow. yeah, so but I didn't start producing until like, um, late 2018. Okay. Uh, and then that with that take me there song, that was like the first song I made. So in that interim between when you were DJing and producing, was there a moment when you were like, okay, I think I want to make this happen. Do I want to be a DJ? Do you want to be a producer? Or were we just having fun in college type thing? I mean, I was having a lot of fun in college, but um, I hear you. <laughs> too, much, too much for my own good, but um, <laughs> I for sure wanted to like produce. I was just not taking the time. I wasn't prioritizing it. And like, I remember actually there was a moment when I had all kind of snapped and I realized like I needed to do it is because I was with like my girlfriend at the time. We were at a uh, basement in San Diego, super yeah. like dark, kind of like grungy, ratchet place. And um, she was just like, I remember being like really drunk and she was like, just start producing, just do it. And I remember, I don't even remember who was playing. It could have been Feed Me to be honest, or like someone like that. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I remember just being at shows being like, I'm so pissed that I don't know how to make this type of music, like, or any kind of music. And because I was like, I have to do the learning curve. I just got to write it out. And, uh, yeah. And I remember like her just saying that to me really drunk, like snapped it all into me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually going to do it. And then, um, yeah. And I still didn't do it. And then it didn't actually, (laughs) and I still waited. And then I was like, okay, well, college is almost over. And I didn't really prioritize it until I was living up in LA. And, had like just gotten fired from this like tech startup, <laughs> like not not from like anything bad. I was just like it was not a fit, and they're like, yeah, like there's no reason. And I'm like, you're totally right. So right. that's when I started prioritizing music and uh, had an awakening. Yeah, it was like yeah. Then I literally spent eight months just learning how to do stuff off of like Ableton, uh, off of like YouTube tutorials, and uh, worse. Like I had like just people that I'd connect with at a show or something, and they'd be like super down to help. Um, mm. And I just like made the most of those eight months before I moved back down here. That's awesome, man. I was going to ask if you had any mentors. Like, of course, YouTube University for people our age and our generation. It's pretty incredible, <laughs> but also a little defeating sometimes when, like, there's no barrier to entry. You know what I mean? Like, you're only a little bit younger than me, so you know, like, 15, 16-year-olds are asking for DJ controllers for Christmas or whatever it might be, their birthday. And then they're, th- they're having a similar experience as you. And I, I had a similar experience, too. I was like, I need to fucking start producing. What am I doing? Like... I love the music, I'm attached to it, and I feel like I can make what this guy makes or this guy makes and make it my own. But kids these days, bro, like, they have that moment at 18, 19 years old, and it's like they just keep getting younger and younger, but the fact is, that's kind of the beautiful part about it is anybody can do it, right? Yeah, and and you see a lot of those kids that were, like, 13, 14 starting and that are, you know, killing it now with, like, you know, like, the whole... I don't know what you call the genre. It's like the future pop base where it's like the Louis, C, uh, not Louis, uh, Louis the child and uh, yep. like, like Delamere or Weathen, like those kids that were doing it when they're like 14 that are like slaying now because they started so young. Um, well, your stories because the Weathen and uh, Louis child are from Chicago and uh, yeah. through like the grapevine and stuff of people. I know this person through this person. People would talk about how young they would be, you know, 16, 17 making music hadn't even graduated high school playing in their cafeteria and I'm like playing in their fucking cafeteria, man. Like that's insane. But it, it's, it's just how things have changed with that younger generation. And it's really cool. Cause it actually like, it only generates more creativity for people our age. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, getting back to your question about the mentors, um, yeah. early on from like my first release, um, not sure if you know who ocean roulette is. Um, yeah. Goes, yeah, uh, my buddy Lewis. He's like, shout out Lewis. He, yeah, Lewis, homie. He played. Uh, he played right before me at Outside and Equinox Festival, that 2018 one. And I, yeah. I hadn't heard of him, but like my friends that were with me had, had heard of him. I'm like, oh cool, I'll check him out. I just kept running into him at shows uh, in like L.A. when I was living up there. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember he had me over one time when I was like early on in producing and just super down to help out and like teach. And now even like I still talk to him like couple times a week just about random music stuff and just always just such a nice dude it's just genuine to help out i mean you need those type of people and i feel like the second kind of person or the second person that kind of like mentoring in uh more of just a production way was uh my buddy brandon who's like a mixing engineer and i feel like that was um that was that was huge that was a huge turning point was when i started focusing on just like how to make mixing sound like your mixes sound cleaner and so, like, this guy had, like, a ridiculous, he was living in, like, a ridiculous, like, four-story house in Echo Park. <laughs> and, like, 
the entire like basically the entire third floor was a studio and oh, shit. um just ridiculous amount of wealth going into that um that studio like amazing so i'd be over there like every day for the last month and we would just like be working on like our collab and i mean it's, it's not even released it's just it took like eight months to do even after i moved back to, down to san diego <laughs> but the whole point was i was trying to like learn as much as possible about like yeah mixed sounds and making shit sound clean and that was uh he was a huge part of that so i'd say, I'd say them them two come to mind first dude that's like that's just like a game of pickup sports wherever it might be right like you got to practice and sometimes the best way to practice is to actually play that's how I got better producing too. Like I had to actually, and you do have to make that effort. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing about it. Why I feel like, I mean, in anything in life, if you want to succeed, you have to work hard. You have to go outside your comfort zone. You have to work when you're tired. You have to, you know, push yourself and you have to go to people's houses and, and learn from them and take notes and watch videos and all that stuff. But if you love it, if you truly love it, no difference. It's, it's good for you. It feels good, right? To like feel when you make progress and you get more motivated. That's how I felt at least. Yeah. And it, it just goes back to what we were talking about, how having it like come from intrinsic motivation. So yes. to, like, and then, then it won't be a problem. Then you'll want to do it. I love it, man. So 2018, you're producing, you're in the studio and stuff, right? You graduated college. You were listening to, I mean, some of these stories feed me like bass, dude, like UKF shit. But your first release, and it's Take Me There, you said, right? Yeah, that was the first one. This isn't exactly UKF bass. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. What the um, was? Like, before you released this, were you trying different things? What, what was it like for you creatively before you first put this track out in 2019? No doubt. So, I mean, I guess someone else I should probably bring up is uh, a different mentor. When I was, like, first started to even just like, get exposed to Ableton was um, this bass artist. He's, he's doing well for himself right now, named Eugene. Um, that was when I was... Yeah, yeah. So Eugene was living in Isla Vista, which is like where you live if you go to UC Santa Barbara. Okay. And he was um he was like working at the Starbucks and <laughs> I was just think I think I was like a senior and he was like a freshman. He was probably eighteen. And I would just like go over to his house, I met him and he was this ridiculous bass artist, like who had just never even put out music before and just absurdly <laughs> good. Didn't even know how good he was. And I'm like <laughs> something just flew in my head. Um, I was like, you should start putting out music. And then he started doing that. And it's just immediately boom, like, That's he's just awesome. ridiculously good. And, and he lives with, uh, I don't know if he's still living with Stuka, like S-T-U-C-A, Jeff, who also went there. Nice. So they're they like, they're living together um, shortly after. But yeah, he was like showing me all about like these little tricks. Look at what you can do with the, this. And I'm like, this is super sick. Um, hopefully I remember this when I actually start doing music <laughs> and uh i just like remember some of the stuff i'd follow up but um that i think i just really gravitated towards listening a lot more house after even yeah. though like i love like the weird bass like sure i feel like i just got really into it in those years um yeah. more on the house side and yeah. kind of moving over towards like melodic techno and uh i mean that first song that was like the first song i ever finished start or made so, like start to finish like take me there and um Awesome. That guy, that guy May Moon, um, was a coworker of one of my friends from San Diego. They worked at like a flower tech startup or something. <laughs> they, they were selling software for florists. Straight up. And, uh, Hell yeah! I was like a sales guy there, and he's like, "Oh, I like to sing," and I'm like, "Well, let's see what happens." And so he just came over, <laughs> wrote it, and it was like not treated. Like this is my living room in Santa Monica, and like a big open box, like. Right. 
he's just like standing there belting in my like wall to wall apartment. I'm sure the neighbors are hearing it. And uh, I was like, yeah, um, you know, it, like I said, it was the first time I ever did. So I was like, just trying to figure out my sound, but um, I think it, I think it kind of came right away with that and kind of stayed consistent. Um, I think there's a lot of consistencies between what came after and that one. Yeah. Great track. I mean, pretty impressive, honestly, for your first yeah. release, bro. Were you, did you have other tracks you were considering or like you just constantly working on this one, trying to make it perfect? Cause your first track of course is, it can be a big day. It can be a little daunting too, but I mean, I, I dude, I give it, it's one of your best tracks, honestly. Really? I be, that's so funny to say that. I listen to it now and I'm like, I never want to play this live because it sounds so not clean to me because like, definitely it's just like, it's my first, right? It's certainly um, a starting point. <laughs> regards to like your mixing and the mastering and everything with that but the vocals the pace like i was a really big fan of just like how it sounded not critically you know what i mean i appreciate it i yeah. appreciate it. like musically yeah i appreciate it um no that was the very first I, I wasn't working on anything else that was the first song like i did it and i took like four months to like try <laughs> to learn every process of it from like the right. mastering that i did myself on it to like anything it was just the first time doing all of it and so um, I was just trying to figure out what worked and what didn't, how to fix when you're Ableton crashes and why the files are missing, all that, everything. Like <laughs> everything was there in that first like four months. And then I just put it out and then moved quickly onto the second track, which was uh, Witchcraft. Dude, um, Witchcraft. And, and real quick, before we go deeper, because everything kind of revolves around this genre that I think you came up with medieval. Yeah, medieval house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tell me about this name. I saw that. I was like, before I even listened to the first, I was like, hashtag medieval house. Okay, let's fucking lock in, dude. Because I interviewed another guy, <laughs> Witch House, earlier this year. And I was like, is this going to be that? But it's totally different. It's sick. I appreciate it. No, yeah, I, I just came up with the name because I thought it fit. Um, it sounds kind of like dark and cinematic. Uh, very kind of more emotional. Uh, it's got like kind of like peaks and valleys. Yeah. Kind of more of a journey type stuff. And I, I feel like... And a lot of the stuff that I have that's unreleased now, it, it encapsulates that a bit too. Um, especially this one angelic that I don't know where it's going to come out, but I think that's like probably the staple of what I would want that to sound like as a genre. Um, but yeah, I just felt like the dark cinematicness kind of reminded me of medieval stuff. So, dude, it makes, <laughs> makes complete sense. Like I said, it takes 15 seconds to understand why it's medieval house. That that really is that really is creative, dude. That's that's smart. I like that. I appreciate it. But Witchcraft, I mean, super dope sound, man. There's a little more energy to it. Obviously, like, it was your next release, so your percussion got better. Where were you at sort of mentally, creatively, as compared to when you released Take Me There? Did you feel like, okay, I'm getting better, I'm getting more confident? I think that um, I just, like, don't really like to make two of the same sounding song too close to each other, and that, yeah. that's still true today. So, okay. I mean, the last one was, like, pretty melodic and... Um, mellow and I, I mean that's all i was working on for four months so i think i was kind of just ready to try something a little different and um i mean it, i think a lot of the feel is still stayed consistent but definitely more high energy and just a different kind of feel so um yeah that was the second song i i made um and uh actually what's interesting about this track is that ever since i finished it i don't know if you've listened to the outro of that track but it has a completely different like path that it goes on. It's just like a, almost yeah. like a little symphony that happens at the end. And like yeah. to this day, I've always wanted to like 
take the outro of that and make that the intro of witchcraft part two and just make a completely different song but like starting with the outro and just have the witchcraft part two and make that that's that would be medieval yeah (laughs) i still to this day want to do that so hopefully i can find the uh calendar space for that one we're on air right now bro you're, you're just gonna be lying to all of us if you don't do it so you gotta hold yourself accountable right now right it's intriguing. i know i know both agreed on this it's true okay all right it's set it out in the ether and now it's gonna happen okay glad we can get that out of the way um so i always love asking people that remix certain tracks why they pick the track where did the inspiration come from? Do you do instrumental first and then acapellas? Because you released two awesome remixes, man. Rufus's New Sky and the classic Edward, uh, Edward Maya Stereo Love. Dude, <laughs> when, you, when I saw you remix Stereo Love, I was like, I fuck with this guy. Because that is such a <laughs> classic, man. And it was really cool how you actually built the remixes of those. And now that you just told me you try and not do two of the same songs, makes a lot more sense with those remixes. But tell me about those. I appreciate it. Um... So, yeah, I mean, the Stereo Love track was the third song I made. Uh, mm-hmm. That was right after Witchcraft and right before Cake. I remember that. Yep. And uh, Stereo Love, I, I probably just heard it out somewhere. And I'm like, why have I, I completely forgot about this song? This song is amazing. <laughs> and uh, I, I looked around all for like the stems and I couldn't find them. But I was able to find like a YouTube rip of the accordion. I don't even remember. It might have even just been someone else playing it, like a cover of the accordion cover. And I yeah. just downloaded it. I literally just took it. I'm like, I'm going to put this in my song. And then the other one was uh, the acapella. And those are the two elements that weren't something I built. And I built like everything else around those. And at the time, um, I remember I had everything up until like the last drop made. And I didn't, I didn't even know if I wanted to do the last drop. And like, I don't know if you remember the last drop. It's like kind of, way different and incorporates a lot of silence um kind of switches up a bit and at the time i had just a big build and then it just ended and i didn't even know if i wanted to make it i was still trying to figure out like what song structure was and what what i should do and i sent it to my buddy uh christian uh of uh, ala flow i don't know if you know them they released on that uh box of cats compilation with me he's like dude it just sounds like you're about to like wind up for a mega drop and then it just dies like what what are you gonna you should make a drop third drop (laughs) don't blue ball us man I'm like, all right, I won't blue ball you. So um, <laughs> and I just wanted to do something like super different. And uh, that's how I, uh, that's how that ended up. It's completely different left field stuff in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, they are great tracks, man. You do, you still play those in any sets or any mixes? Interestingly enough, I completely forgot about the um, Stereo Love one until someone just brought it up recently. And then um, I've just been wanting to like, have COVID end so I could do it again because I forgot like I, I completely forgot the track existed yeah I missed this remix so I, I you know usually when I finish the song like I hate it because I don't want to hear it anymore because I've been that's all right. I've been listening to it right. needs some time away from it and then this is like it's been enough time now where I'm like oh I remember this I'm like, yes I love it obviously it's like yeah. make it cleaner but like it's still it has a special place in my heart but uh Dude. yeah that First one back <laughs> for all of us all, anybody who's a DJ is going to be new music and classics and that's going to be the whole set like whatever it might be like classics that you made or classics that we miss i'm actually like now that we're i mean maybe the lights at the end of the tunnel a little bit i don't know the future is certainly brighter than it was three to six months ago i'm like so pumped to see what happens for 
the changes in music or the growth, I should say, in sets because crowds are going to be ready to go. DJs are going to be ready to go. Bands, the whole music industry is going to be fucking flooded again. And I think it's going to be flooded with positivity, creativity, like just that golden age stuff, man. Like, you know, you were just talking about like just hearing you be like, oh, I remember feed me. You know what I mean? Like you probably had a little chill go down your back, right? Like mine was you know, lame enough. Um, uh, Avicii, right? That was my first EDM show I went to. I'm fucking gonna play silhouettes or some shit my first set back, man. Like, I just want to feel good, you know what I mean? 100%. Um, you know, we're, I think we're all just waiting for that that moment, so that's gonna be great. You gotta try um, remix then. You have to. I have to. Um, and then to answer your other question about the Rufus one, yeah, I was, Rufus is like one of my all-time favorite groups, um, and I was just looking for any song to remix by them, and I can't find their stems anywhere online because they're super, super kept in the vault, I guess. But they did a remix contest for New Sky, and I was like, any song, I don't care, I just want to work with it. And um, then I, then I uh, finished it all up, uh, and then I submitted it. But then I realized that you needed to be an Australian resident to actually submit, so <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even submit it anyways. But I'm like, oh, whatever, I still got to remix the song. And so you had, fun. you had it completely finished and you were submitting? Yeah, I was trying to upload it. And there was two problems with it. The one was um, the one was he had to be an Australian resident. And the second was somehow you had to get that wave file under like nine megabytes, which is something I have, have no idea how to do. So don't know. You're nine Maybe they, megabytes? What the fuck? Yeah. Do you, like, would you want me to submit like an MP3? No, you don't. <laughs> no. So... I don't know what they expect. Maybe they don't want anyone to win. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's their chance yeah. <laughs> to keep one of, their, one of their actual high quality acapellas. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I like remixing songs. I mean, I, th I think I actually get more excited about remixing songs than making originals mm -hmm. because I feel like for me, like I, I like going in and like finding like all the emotional elements, like what's like the, the almost like the climax of the song and like to find the emotional elements and like, and then in my remixes, like just try to dig and de develop them and like get them deeper and um, kind of just expand it a bit. So that, that's why I, I think I get more excited about yeah. that remixes than the originals, actually. <laughs> that's good, man. However, you got to find inspiration. And hell, if you do a remix, just throw, throw away the vocal if you want to make it an original at the end of the day sometimes, right? I know. Well, I, I did this recent one of uh, Ghost Voices. Yeah. Uh, virtual self-track. Yeah. Um, and I remember putting it on like the truth and live stream and uh, I forgot who we had like some guests um, I forgot who actually said it, but like dude like it's just a really good original like you probably think <laughs> there you go as great as it is but like it's such a fire original like just take everything off but um, I don't know I might I think about that because that I mean that, that's probably like my favorite song I've made in the last like couple months and um, I, I can't even like get it on SoundCloud if I wanted to, the way it is with the, uh, yeah. uh, what, what do you call it? The software copyright. protection for yeah. copyright. They'd so, I mean, yeah. So if I wanted to, so I probably will end up taking up, taking those out and making an original and then just keep that for like a live show edit or something. Well, there you go. I love it. Man. <laughs> so you said, I, I thought Kate came out in 2020. That was in between Stereo Love and New Sky. Yeah. So that song, um, I made, in March of 2019, and it took over a year to come out. Oh shit! Um, Don't you love that? God. Yeah, it 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 
it took a long time. I think I got like kind of uh, some misleading stuff happened that I don't really want to go into with where it was going to end up. Sure. But uh, let me show you what's coming out in January. Um, I'm just trying to find it on my phone. There you go. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, I can see it. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. Some merch. Let's go. That's sick. Yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. The, my girl, my, my ex-girlfriend is the uh, vocalist on that. And like her and I kind of like got together to design it. And she, she's done like probably like four different of my songs, the vocals for that. And um, vocals came from, they're pretty dope. I think, yeah, they're, they're, we, we can talk about that. Yeah, they started... Uh, I had cake written right after the stereo love remix and I was still living in Santa Monica and just had, uh, just like this really lazy Sunday where I had this, uh, she, she came up to visit and, um, song was like written and composed, but there were no vocals. And we just like had my mic open and she, uh, started throwing down lines and her and I wrote the vocals and she's like absolutely killed it with the, with the, uh, the way that it came out. And, um, yeah, that was that was how that happened. <laughs> Dude, Jesus, that is so cool. Cause I, I you never know like if you can get a good singer or songwriter or whatever on on a track. So sometimes you just have to assume splice, but I was like, no, no, no. Like these these are not so cut and dry. These are very unique. Great track, dude. And it's tech house. Like that that is that is a tech house slammer, dude. That is not what you made before. So once again, Proving your point, you don't make the same track twice. I really like that one. That one's a little more up my alley for what I would like want to produce. So I was a big fan of it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, it it was a fun one. Um, and it's just so funny that like I'll get introduced to like friend groups, and they're like, "The cake guy." Like this is like the song. This is the one song that like people know me already for that I've never met. And I'm, I'm I'm not saying I'm like famous or anything. I'm just saying people like will come up and be like, "That's the cake guy from." Uh, my friends that inter- have already like talked about me. It's like could have been any track, but it's like the cake guy. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> for some reason, the one track that I've been identified with. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, fuck it, man. Any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> so when did this box of cats release come out? Cause I want to make sure I got the timeline right here. So it was cake, then new sky. And then was it give me more? That looks like one of your first releases of 2020, right? Yeah, I think I made the Give Me More track directly after Cake. That was the fifth track that I made. Um, and I was still living in Santa Monica. And I remember just sending it off as the uh, first. I, I mean, Box of Cats has always been like a target label. I remember listening to them for like much before I like produced. Yeah, um, props, man. So it's huge. I appreciate it. And I, I, I'd never submitted anything to them before. This was like the first song I submitted. And um originally Wongo emailed back he's like yo it's a sick track it's just like probably not for us and then I'm like no worries and uh like first shot so I'm like, I don't expect anything and then yeah like within the next month like I saw Kyle Watson like listen to it twice on like the private link I'm like that's weird and like download it and then he Wongo <laughs> hit me back he's like actually yeah it's a really sick track with some great elements so yeah, we'd love to sign it <laughs> like, wow amazing um actually what he doesn't know is he had asked if I could make a change into that song. Um, there was like a buildup that used to be way crazier on the second where I had it like pumping out with like a side chain that was pretty heavy and it was like really extreme and I was just experimenting. And he's like, yeah, I've been playing your song out at like a couple of my shows and 
it's, it's really cool, but it's just so crazy right here. Do you mind if we could like tame that down and get rid of that? And I'm like, no problem. And then when I went to go open up the file, um, I couldn't get it. Oh no. <laughs> like the file was corrupted. And I remember I was like up in LA visiting. I was living in San Diego at the time. And I was up, I was up in LA, like on my way to like go see Polo and Pan. And I remember thinking like, I know I can't get this file and I'm going to be really stressed until I figure that out. So I was like really stressed. Like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Forget about it for the night. I'll figure it out when I get back to San Diego. Yeah. And I couldn't open it. And so I had to actually take a file, like a wave file of a previous save version oh. and use that and edit and crop it in into like straight up and didn't and export it that way. And you can't even tell, which is really great. But holy fuck, bro, that's some serious and, shit. And I didn't tell them. And this is the first time I said it anywhere. But that's, I mean, you can't tell it works, but it's definitely that's not kosher. That's incredible from like a like <laughs> plug-in standpoint. So you basically like, so what, I guess go a little deeper into that because that's really, really impressive that you were able to. So is it like, did you stop at where it was a break or did you actually like find and replace sort of? Yeah, so I took right after the second drop um, when it got into like, or it was right after the first drop until it got into the second drop from yeah. a previous version that I had. Cause I mean, I, I sent like an export maybe like v1 or something and right, right. i'm like well it's like pretty much the same buildup. it's just without that crazy side chain that i use and i thought like i mean an ideal per in an ideal world i could just go back in ableton remove it and re-export but right. i just had to take that clip and literally put it inside of my other clip of like just two wave files together <laughs> and that's how i got the final export it was pretty ridiculous but it worked holy <laughs> props to you man that's unbelievable <laughs> i appreciate it I don't know what, what would happen if I had said, no, I'm sorry, I can't go make that change right now. It might not have worked. So. <laughs> <laughs> not very professional for your first big label release, but you pulled it off. Um, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be, man. Great track. And once again, um, I could tell with that one, you really had stepped it up. Like, and it's cool because hearing that story now, like you're mixing your FX, like everything on that, it was, it was tight. Like everything about it was very clean. And it was just so cool to hear the progression of the track and just to know like how box of cats is i've had some friends release on that label too and they're very specific for how wide of a range sometimes they put on their label so it was really cool to see a track like yours kind of a little left field in one way or another get on there but you deserve it man it's cool i really appreciate it thanks man it was fun yeah. to make and that was the, that was the first track i ever used my original voice on too so yeah it gave me more yeah it was just my voice and <laughs> screwing yeah. out with the mic <laughs> God, bro, you always know you're going to be in the studio. It's always funny when you use your own voice, isn't it? Because you, you can just literally know what it, nobody has any idea, but it works. It worked, yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly can sometimes forget it's my voice. It doesn't sound anything like me. <laughs> Pitch it out <laughs> like eight semitones. <laughs> Definitely not. Okay, so then we had Give Me More and then Pull Me Under on Outside In Movement, correct? Yeah. Great track here, dude. Love the vocals, builds, layering was awesome. Did you draw, because I was trying to think, like, you know, just for my own mindset and people I know, the producers, they're always maybe like a reference track or something, or a reference producer. Where were you at with that track when you were thinking, okay, I like this sound, I like that sound, or did it kind of just come out of the blue? Honestly, I think it just came out of the blue. I mean, I, I was probably listening to a lot of melodic techno at the time. For sure. And um, I remember, I mean, I was working on that song uh, right after a Tech House one, so I wanted to just kind of switch it up, because I just wanted to do, like, two things twice in a row. Yeah. So... Um, I wanted to switch it up and, um, I, I had this one pretty incomplete for a while. And I think I came back to it after like three months to finish up the last 
uh, maybe even more, maybe like six or seven months to come and finish back up the, uh, um, the last like 30% of it. And this was the first time I ever like didn't finish a track that I started. Wow. So it, it almost, it almost like bothered me. This is probably like the sixth track <laughs> and like consecutive from when I was like starting to make music to the sixth track where I had finished every song that I started and there wasn't another song I was working on. It was like start, finish, start, finish, start, finish. Right. And it was the first time. So it was like kind of bothering me. So I had to come back and finish it. But um, yeah, that it ended up on uh, Outside In, which is uh, they're the record label behind the Outside In Equinox Festival that you referenced before Yeah, uh, in 2018. It's yeah. awesome. I really like it. And then hypnotize on Kino Village, and we'll talk about Kino Village in a sec with Cats with uh, Casto, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What was it like? This was your first collaboration. For what I'm seeing, obviously, you mentioned you had been working with people in the studio. What was your inspiration? Your creative side on it versus him? Did you were you excited? Were you nervous putting out a collab with someone? Um, you know, I, we had been sitting on these for so long. By the time it came out, I'm like, finally, nice. Um, there you go. We when we when we made this, I was still living in LA. So um I met I met Casto at uh like a clinic Wednesdays in Hollywood. They do like a Wednesday thing. Yeah, I've heard there of that. a lot at Sayers and um he was like wearing a house of hustle shirt. So I came up to him and nice. just like struck up a conversation and uh he came over like the next week and rewrote the majority of like the melody and put in a lot of the elements for hypnotize just again in like my living room in Santa Monica. And then um, I was, that was right when I was moving out to San Diego. So when I came down, um, Anna, my, my ex who had done the vocals for Cake, mm-hmm. she came over and then she did the same person who did the hypnotized vocals. And nice. uh, we, we, had, we had wrote another track called Go, Gold Diggers together, uh, Casto and I. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I, we just decided to archive it. Um, originally, it was going to come out uh, on Rock Bottom as an EP with those two. But then um, we decided to pull it and use just the uh, just the hypnotized track for the label launch for Kino. Um, I think that Gold Diggers track would just never come out, but uh, it's a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> Only in live sets type track. Only for you. All right. <laughs> That's great, though, man. It really is cool. I, I, I love it, and it was just cool to hear a blend of, like, certainly there was some tech house in there, and there was also some deep tech. Really, really cool. Now, that was your, was that the first release on Kino Village? Yeah. So that was the uh, label debut release. It was. You feel the pressure, or was it like, no, nah, I know this is going to be the sound? Because of course, like first release on a label, your own label, any label, it's going to be pretty defining. I think this track definitely deserves a spot. But what was that like for you and everybody else involved with Kino? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that they wanted to use it. Um, I mean, at that point, I had been sitting on this song for like a year, and right. at that point, it wasn't reflective of what I'm really even making now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. So when it came out, it was like, I mean, I hope you like it, but it's definitely not the kind of thing I'm still doing. So um, for me, it was like, I'm glad it's kind of, I'm glad it came out and uh, I think it's a cool track, but um, I was a little surprised that they wanted to use that as the debut song. So um, I'm glad it worked. And uh, I think that we've kept it relatively consistent with like the sound of like what we're releasing. I think the Kino sound that we're really going for and what I'm looking for to sign is more of like, Kind of like dark and sexy, maybe a little jungly, but yeah. just that kind of that kinda, definitely darkness. It's not it's not like a happy music kind of label. <laughs> it's not happy, 
but sometimes yeah, darkness yeah. where there's darkness there is light that's kind of the vibes yeah. i get you know a little bit i listen to some of the other tracks man it's cool but they liked it so much you did it put me in a trance ep um just released that right yeah that those are my most uh recent ones and th th those i think are um i was the most excited about these two to come out just because i feel like they're the most reflective of the type of music i'm making now um even like just especially with the bass style um and not like a kind of like a sub driven tech house song it's more like a this kind of distinct eighth note pluck bass that i've been using and like i use that in the sweet disposition remix i use that in a bunch of mine release songs um and then inferno and put me in a trance both had that like eighth note sub pluck that i've been um yeah. using and putting that in so i just think it's kind of a more uh accurate depiction of what's to come um and i mean that put me in a trance song i also made that like last november over a year ago and um so i was super stoked to have that finally come out and inferno was the first song i made over quarantine um oh, really so, shit yeah yeah um and i think they paired well together stuck inside dude <laughs> yeah and then uh, anna as well uh did the vocals on put me in a trance same person yeah so, what a great little EP. And yeah, you got some mad love from the Space Yacht guys, too. I saw that video. They're awesome, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're great. It's great to see some support from them. Um, you know, actually, before, I don't even know if they've made the connection that I'm the same person. I, I, <laughs> but bef before I moved to L.A., I was ju just graduated from UCSB. It was 2017. Mm. And um, I like, really wanted to move to L.A. and figure out how to get into music there. Yeah. And I got, like... Someone introduced me to Rami over email, uh, London Bridge, and he's like, yeah, like, we need, like, help on our A&R if you want to, like, come up, and there was an unpaid position. I'm like, I can't just move to L.A. and, like, <laughs> not get paid. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. And then I chose not to, but, like, now it's cool that I'm uh, in this position with them because I have, I have a track coming out with Ocean Roulette there on their label, the Space Outs label, next month. Oh, and shit. I have. Oh shit! Let's <laughs> oh hell yeah, bro! Congrats. Yeah, thank you. It'll be on the first uh, Tech My House compilation with um, I don't even know who else is on it. I just know <laughs> Lewis and I have a track on it, and then I have a single coming out with them uh, after um, called "I Feel Fine," which is going to be a great one. Um, I'm excited for that to come out. That's going to be fun. But uh, I just had a. I just had CLB actually on the podcast. I'm not sure if you saw that, but he was the first release on Space Yacht's label. It's some dumb drum and bass. So Heard it. to see what they're doing, bro. Like, I, got, I already have mad love for Space Yacht, just like what they do and who they are and the opportunities they give to up-and-comers. But to see them do this label and put it on such a bigger scale of what they're doing is just the greatest thing ever. Yeah, they're, they're always been so on point with like their marketing and uh, getting connected with their, their audience and their fans. So, I mean, it's great what they're doing with like Tune Reactor. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Tune Reactor stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. It's awesome. I love watching. They're hilarious. Who knew something so simple could be so entertaining? I know, right? Um, <laughs> no, it, it's great. It's cool. I, I don't know if they know I'm the same person that they had connected with like three years ago to like maybe help with A&R or not. I have no idea if he knows that. But um now I have this music coming out with them, so that's that'll be cool. They they follow they follow the podcast, so I'll definitely I'll we'll have to tag them or maybe we'll share this clip because that's actually a really <laughs> funny story. Full circle, bro. Full circle, Virgo. That's awesome, man. Full circle, yeah, yeah. They're absolutely homies of them. Good for you, man. Now I want to I want to mention really quick that sweet disposition remix that you released. 
absolute fucking fire. And Steve Darko, who is an incredible producer, who is, you know what, I kind of see it now after having this conversation. He is a little, you know, left field in the realm of house. No wonder he liked that track, man. Fucking sick. And that's a track that's been layered, edited, mashed up like million fucking times. But that was unique. So props to you on that because it's very difficult to do. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I owe that connection to Louis uh, Ocean Relay. He, he made that introduction because um, like a year ago, maybe more, um, Steve Darko remixed one of Louis's tracks, which came on that Holy Moly uh, label, Coz's one, uh, the Magic. Which mm-hmm. the EP with Vanessa, the EP with Vanessa. So Steve had remixed that, and so they were they're already pretty close. And so he made that introduction because um, what had happened was when I released Unbox the Cats, I I saw like Steve supporting the track and like putting it in all the stuff like my track, but he had never like talked to me. I just saw him like playing the song that came out there. So Lewis made that introduction, and I, I sent him like probably twelve unreleased songs, and he's like been super supportive. I'm playing on like on his on his streams on like the Dirty Bird one and uh, um, his own personal stream. So I mean he's been and just such a legend so yeah can't thank him enough for that yeah he's got a really big following here in chicago every time he comes and plays it's like huge amounts of like cult supporters come so i can see going down that lane too man you just gotta define your sound and stick to it and well i guess it's more just being you and steve darko he's had a great story too so that's awesome man that he's shown yeah giving you love so a question i always love asking after we just ran through all your tracks regardless of support, regardless of who played them, whatever the world thinks. Are there any tracks that mean the most to you personally? Um, interestingly enough, it's probably one that is unreleased. Um, it's this one called uh, I Feel Fine, which is the one that um, is supposed to be the single that comes out on Space Yacht next year. Um, why it's so important is it's I wasn't able to like predict it's uh the reaction that I've been getting to it. I, I thought it was gonna be this kind of like one off more mainstream pop song. Like it's not pop, but it's more poppy than like my other stuff. It's still like that kind of like dirty under underlying like baseline, but okay. it's definitely more like on the mainstream side and everyone I've showed it to has just been like like this is your best song. And I'm like that's awesome. One I ex- like this is the one I expected to be everyone's least favorite, and it's now it's everyone's favorite. And I mean, I just can't wait for it to come out because I think it's, I think it'll do well, and um, yeah. I can't wait to get it out there for it to be like kind of heard by others to kind of get that reaction because I, I have never expected it, and so that was kind of a, a learning point, I guess, for me is like I can't predict what it's gonna sound like and how the feedback it's gonna get, so. Um, but of those like released, I think uh, Inferno is my favorite. I don't think there's like a particular reason and meaning for like, uh, like in my heart why. I think it's just like, <laughs> I think it sounds the cleanest, and I I, I just really like the route it took. Um, yeah, that might be my that's my probably my favorite that's out. Definitely um, of like of, of like an original. For sure. I, I think that's a great response, and I'm really excited to hear that track then, man, because a lot of times when I ask that, it usually isn't unreleased because a lot of times the artist or the producer has had some time to let those tracks resonate, get feedback, whatever it might be. It doesn't mean as much, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that the best is yet to come. Oh, it, 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 it is. It's, I mean, I'm not the only person that struggles with the waiting game. I know that. I know that 
yeah. I remember hearing like a Namar talk about, or I don't know if it was a Namar or Rinzen, but one of them was talking about how, you know, the music that comes out is usually like 10 months to a year behind like what they're actually making now. And so, I mean, I just can't wait to see where I'm at 10 months from now and yeah. stuff out 10 months from now. That's what I'm making now. And I'm just, I'm just excited. It's a, kind of a never ending game. And I, I get stressed too. It's like, I'm not working on something. It's like, I've grown to like have this anxiety. If it's that in between time, between when I just finished a track and before I start the next, I'm like literally anxious. I like, I'm like, there's nothing that I'm working on. Like I'm not dying to go back and like finish something or work on and develop the track. Like, weird and then as soon as i start a new one it's like ah, i can like relax again like it's super weird but it's kind of i think that's a little weird driving factor for me I, I can understand that i mean on that note i want to ask you about your process man like if let's just say you got an empty plate right and it is between when you released your last track and you haven't started your new one what is it like for you going to the studio where do you find an inspiration what's your process do you have a template take me deep man i want to know so I mean, I like starting with the synth work. I think that like I'm I'm much more of like a melody person than a drummer, and I, I figured out like by learning how to like make my drums sound presentable. But yeah, it's not like that wasn't my strong suit to begin. And like right off the bat, like my strong suit came from like I think like the synth work and like creating melodies and stuff. That's because I grew up playing classical piano. Yeah, so, of course, I love that. You know, so that, that's like the, the first thing I look forward to going and do is like building like the synths and having like a melodic element, um, which I think is kind of the opposite for a lot of people from what I've heard. Um, I mean, I know like the Brand, Brandon, the guy who's like a mixing engineer, he's like a drummer by trade. So like he's building out like every inch of the beat before he even touches melody, <laughs> which actually worked well for the collab because he's already got, a, I don't have to worry about the drums. It's already done. Like I can just go and yeah, like melody. <laughs> that's perfect. Because I always like, like, I don't mind building, like, the drums and the beats, but, like, that's not where I, like, I'm stoked to be, you know? It's like, I just got to get it over with. I got to get it done and, like, make it sound cool, and then I can, then it'll all flow together. But I really like doing all the synth work in the melody. That's awesome. So, so you start with the synth. Are you, like, exploring new plugins? What's your research process for that? Do you have what you love now, or are you always looking for new stuff? Because that's something producers always ask for the show is, like, how do you continue to challenge yourself? For sure. Um, I mean, I do have like some go-to plugins. Um, Omnisphere is like one of my favorites right off the bat. Yeah. From early, early on. And uh, I think I was really lucky to find a lot of like sound that I could integrate that fit what I was looking to do really early on. I could use in like, not in a repetitive way where it sounds like this is the same song, but like in a way that's consistent. And so like that kind of like really gritty re-space, like I use that in, every song pretty much and it's uh like ominous here with a bunch of post-processing and i found that with like probably witchcraft was the first time i used it so that nice. can track and fun you know um recently though like more recent plugins that have been my favorite um track spacer and dynamic eq that works on like a return track and that thing is just insane it's like it feels like cheating they, <laughs> i love those though <laughs> it, it feels like cheating it, it you can take like you can take a sound and put track spacer on it and then throw it through a return and what it'll do is it'll omit like white noise or uh it'll omit frequencies that are the opposite of what exists on yours 
and cut them out from another one. So it's like a dynamic EQ that is just so accurate. You can like dial it in so that these two things that might be conflicting are like in perfect mix together where your, your frequencies are getting taken out and the other one getting put back in and it feels like cheating. But I just started using that like maybe a month or two ago and it's, it's awesome. Um, wow. Tantra, Tantra is sick. I don't know if you've heard of Tantra. Uh, yes, I have heard of that one actually. That one's cool. It's just like, if you're ever like not being creative and not having any inspiration, you just take anything and put it inside Tantra. It's like a sequencer and it just comes out with like infinite new ideas. Oh man. Um, yeah. And then, uh, a lot. I think that, but for like inspiration, sometimes it helps, uh, for me to like maybe listen to a, a style of song that I've been like listening to recently. I mean, my, one of my like all time favorite artists is like Boris Breshka. And so, Nice. Let's go, bro. Hell yeah. Me too. He's yeah. fucking awesome. I mean, I just remember probably recently listening to some of his stuff to just get inspired just because it always does it for me. It, it puts me in a type of mood that I'm like, this is sick. Dude, and his, his, for him. I'm sure you've seen his circlet sets. Like, <laughs> that very first one that he did the castle, that was like the first one I ever saw. And gosh, just like, what a G. That music, that energy, everything about it, man. That all makes sense. I'm having a full circle moment for you right now. I'm realizing, okay, it all it starts and ends with Boris. There we go. It does. It really does. And um, <laughs> circle, circle, circle is awesome too. Like some of the very first early circle videos were um, oh, our yeah. friends and I, like in Santa Barbara, um, the EOS crew. We they'd come out. Circle would come out and like film our shows. Like we did like a sunrise beach party, or like Thanks. we had we had like some artists come play in like IV or Isla Vista in Santa Barbara, and we have circle come out and now they've just gotten massive and they're just like oh, obviously huge but they're killing it it's ridiculous and the grand the grand palace circle set that boris did too i don't know if you saw that one but that yeah. was absurd they're um, on i was they're i was talking with, uh, yeah I, I was just talking with kyle watson yesterday about it too and like him and i were talking about how like every one of his songs is his own song in his set and it wouldn't even make sense for like other people to be he, it wouldn't make sense for him to be playing anyone else's song it's just like such a unique vibe there so but. true well said it's like a daft punk in one way or another like the other side of daft punk north pole south pole but they can only play their own music that's just what makes sense yeah he's, he's killer but um yeah that's sort of that's where a lot of inspiration gets drawn from him if i'm gonna cite like any anything external yeah for sure now david obviously you've mentioned years of production, the people you've met with, where you're at now, where you started, are there any good habits or bad habits that you learned from your beginning days on the good side that you use? And are there any bad habits that you're still trying to get rid of? Sort of like whatever it might be that comes to mind. Um, I mean, I think the best habit that I had was spending time right off the bat trying to figure out how to make your mix sound cleaner. Yeah. My mix sound cleaner, just because... I mean, I, I think that was the biggest game changer for me. It was, I mean, I, I'm not, and I think my, the bad habit that comes as a result of that is now I didn't spend enough time, like, I'm not nearly where I want to be with like sound design and stuff like that. And I think it's like the trade off of where I've been spending my time. And I think, I, I think I've got it to a point now where like, I mean, there's always still I can, more I can learn. I'm, I'm never going to like stop learning and I'm sure I could get better at mixing my tracks, but I'm at a point where I feel comfortable enough that now I can like, switch back and try to learn those things I was probably neglecting, like, like more sound design and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. So I'm excited to excited to start learning those other areas. 
um, in ways that I haven't done yet. So um, I don't know. It's just time management. I mean, especially because, like I said earlier, I'm in grad school full time. So, I mean, it's just hard to try to figure out how to get everything and like run the label and get releases lined up for, you know, the next couple months. And I mean, these last, these last three months of the year, we did like three releases in six weeks. Jeez. Um, we have our uh, EP with, with uh, I don't know if you know, Bass Odyssey out of South yeah, Africa. Yeah, yeah. Nice. We have an EP with them coming out this Friday already in like three days, pre-orders live and uh, subtle plug right there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm super stoked on uh, everything we've been able to do so far. And just 2021 is just going to hopefully be even crazier, <laughs> more time to manage. Tell me about you know village because you got something going there, man. Like you mentioned, the sound earlier, the branding, the the cover art. Like you're telling a story. You're building something, obviously, a little bigger than a label. You're like this is this is like a collective. This is, I mean, just from what I've seen, just like now hearing you and seeing it. Tell me more about your role. Everybody involved. What's the goals for the label? Why'd you guys Why'd you guys decide to do this? I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad you see it that way. Um, man not easy <laughs> so i met warren um well, i re-met warren at splash house with lewis uh ocean and um i just i was with lewis and we ran into warren and Orin, lewis tried to introduce us and we realized we already knew each other from like a mutual friend from high school like maybe three or four years before mm-hmm. and um when i moved down to san diego he was looking uh, Orin was looking for like music for his genius loci fest down uh he sat down in mexico yeah, and that was right when I was making Take Me There, so I just like sent him that, and um, we just got like kind of connected right off the bat. And then um, at the time, Kino Village was like uh, an event company, so they'd be throwing like uh, like warehouse underground shows. Okay. And uh, in like the San Diego area, and so I got connected with him, and then he just started like bringing me around, and um, then eventually told me like I, I want you to build and launch the uh, record label sector of Kino village. And, uh, like, it's like, I want you to run the ANR. So I'm like, absolutely. Let's go. And, um, so it's been, uh, it's been cool. It's been like a really cool spot to step into and learn and, um, spend my time. And I mean, I always, you know, knew I wanted to spend as much time as possible in music. That's why I was like moving to LA when I, when I moved there, when I didn't take the space yacht role, um, for like helping out with like their assistant A&R or whatever it was that it was going to be. Um, I ended up moving like six months later and working for Live Nation, like helping them run like the festival passport program, which was like this program they did for two years where uh, you, they let like a certain amount of people to pay a one-time fee and they could go to like as many music festivals as they want for a year. It's a super yeah, cool that, program. Super cool program. And um, so I was, I'm like, I, once that program ended, the job ended and I'm like, well, I got to figure out how to stay in music. So when I moved down to San Diego, it was just like honestly a blessing that I linked up with Oren and it just worked so organically to like figure out how to build what we wanted. And um, now it's just the beginning though. I mean, next year it's going to be off to the races. Once COVID ends, like we're going to have a, uh, like this multi-state tour lined up that we're like starting to plan. And we have like a brand new venue that we're building and it just looks unreal so far. And um, building a venue. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't I can't go into it legally, but like it's just <laughs> it just just wait till you see this thing. It is unreal. Is it in San Diego? 
It's in San Diego. Yeah, wow. okay. I mean, that's, that's about that's about all I can say about it. But that's it's in San Diego. It is. Yeah, it's it's going to be absurd. <laughs> that's awesome. I I could I knew it. I knew that there was just something more like just from doing my research on you guys, like people behind it. You guys want to not only share music digitally, but show people in person, right? Like that real, like visceral experience type thing. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting, right? Yeah, and exactly. And, and that's how it started. And it started before there was any label to put behind the name. It was just all events. So now that it's COVID, it's like a perfect excuse to make it all about the music right now while there right. is no events. Right. So while there are no events. And so, um, you know, just while it's all still going down with COVID, we're just ramping up production and getting the label growing and trying to line up releases. Um, we have some really exciting stuff coming for 2021 for sure. Um, and uh, Dink's been killing it with the artwork too. I don't know if you know Chris Dink. He's like in uh, Desert Hearts, but he's the one who does all of our artwork. And he's been able to like- sense. It's super creative, yeah. man. It's a little funky and wacky, but I like it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's, uh, it's like cool, it's consistent. And it's, he just, he murders it. And, I, and at first I was like trying to figure out it took me a second to realize I don't want to give him any direction at all and just let him do all of it. <laughs> Not only does that make it way easier for me, but it's going to come out a lot better. The, the Alaflow generator track um, that came out on our label was like the one that we decided to give direction to. And I could tell it's like he wasn't really like doing what he wanted to do. And it, I think it suffered a little bit on the artwork side. But um, like as soon as we let him do exactly what he wanted and just give him barely any direction, everything has just been like phenomenal. It's legit. You gotta. Sometimes you gotta let a creator create, man. I know exactly what you mean because you're a businessman, right? Like you think about, okay, what are, what are the people gonna want? And sometimes the best way to do it is let the person who created it do their thing and let the people decide for themselves. Because what happens over time, people want to follow people what they're passionate about, whether that's artwork, whether that's music, whether it's performing, whether it's podcasting, whatever the fuck it might be, man. People want to follow people who are passionate about what they do. And I can tell in the artwork, man, like seriously, like I looked at the page and I was like, okay, like there's something here. There's something here. And that's really hard to do it digitally, of course, but it's just so cool to hear you guys are like just going end to end, man. That's how you got to do it. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I mean, and we're still trying to figure out the best ways to do it. And I know we want to get of course. more on like the, uh, like playlisting and figuring out how to actually distribute the music better because right now it's kind of just all organic so we're trying to figure out um the best ways to go about that because i'm sure there's ways we just don't know yet so 2021 is going to be a big discovery year for that too that's good how to get it out there now on the event side you played a lot of dope gigs dude you mentioned back in the days like your first gig was in the fucking netherlands but you had <laughs> some pretty cool shows like in college like you got the bug early on what, other, what have been some of your favorite shows? I mean, you played some festivals, like I said, before we got on air. I listened to your set in 2018. What was that festival called again? Outside? Oh, outside in Equinox. Sick set. I got a vibe. Tell me some of your favorite shows and what an actual Burko set is like. Appreciate it. So um, my, my ideal like time and environment and place to play a set is like in the desert, like 3 to 6 a.m. I think that that... <laughs> Fuck yeah. That, I think that that is like where the environment matches up with the music that I make the best. And so in that little window, so whenever I've got to do that, has been more on like the renegade side at festivals, which has been honestly some of my, one of the most fun time I've had is just playing a renegade, like a renegade at a festival where no one knows me. 
and yeah. like like none of my friends are there it's just completely random people it's just so much fun I, like i've done that a few times a few consecutive years of like dirty bird camp out and it's just been just ridiculous it's so much fun and um right. i think like jackson jackson tree festival uh that was that was really fun that was these guys that's uh that's lewis and Foddy's uh like ocean roulette and uh Foddy's um their baby of a festival that they've like brought up from the beginning for like three years or however many it's been and um they've been doing it twice a year and, and up until COVID and uh yeah that was just so much fun they had this stage called like the dirty dome it's like um it's a 3d it's a 360 degree stage so like the it's a huge dome with like the decks in the middle oh, and then shit. like everyone like surrounds yes it's like a 360 degree encompassing experience it was so much fun to play um wow that that year was the year that uh, Rami came out and he uh, uh, London Bridge came out and he, I think he was a headliner that year too. Um, yes. And he played on that stage because I remember the so there was something happened with like the main stage and all the headliners that were, were like the the main one with like all the old, like PK sound system and like the really crazy ones that just like died down and like all right well everyone shifted into the dome and the dome <laughs> just went fuck it's so much fun. <laughs> Dude, fuck. Um, yeah, that probably they probably enjoyed that. Like you always hear about these big guys that like that intimate experience. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, I mean, I've had some fun times. Um, I th- but I think to answer your question about like a Burko set is like, yeah, it just encompasses like that medieval feeling. It's like just like cinematic and dark, sexy. It's like, yeah, I feel like most of the time too. I don't really. A lot of the shows I play are a lot more tech house oriented. But if I was like a Burko set, it would be much more on like the melodic techno y dark side. That so that that's what I feel like probably that's why I think the three eight, three to six a.m. in the desert that that would be the best environment. I'm standing by it, <laughs> dude. And you're gonna get a little bit of the sunrise there. Like we, we're probably gonna play some of your famous remixes. It's time for the sweet disposition as the sun sun's coming up. <laughs> I got my fucking hands up, dude. You, I mean <laughs> that desert heart vibe, right? Like I, I I just love that. I think that that scene is growing so much again because everybody involved like you, Mike Ryan, it could be anybody else, right? They're just so about it. Like it could literally just be them there. You know what I mean? And then I think people just really connect with that. And the music itself, of course, is incredible, but you got to experience it live. And I think that's been the tough part about this year, trying to release music, trying to share music. But I do want to say real quick for this question, I want to acknowledge you for, continuing to release music continuing to push yourself continue to stay creative but it's like you said in the very beginning it's the intrinsic thing but david what's it been like this year for you creatively knowing that you love that live experience but you're not really sure when we can play live again you're not really sure when you can have other djs share your music has anything changed for you mentally or have you still kind of stayed on a straight and narrow path looking towards the future yeah i mean that's a, that's a good point. I mean, it's been a really tough year for a lot of people, especially like the people that are, you know, relying on his income. Um, Absolutely. So I know like, you know, not being able to play a show is obviously an income hit um, to a lot of people. Yeah. But I think that if you were to spin it and you find like a silver lining to it, I think that it's, you know, I'm someone that I need to not, <laughs> I need to probably not be distracted all the time anyway. So not going out as much and playing shows has probably been a, kind of a benefit for me because same same with <laughs> with grad school and like everything else just trying to get everything done in music it's probably in my favor that i'm not as distracted 
Um, obviously I wish it was for a better reason, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, but from a music perspective, I think that it, you know, I think a lot of people, including like myself early on, it's like when I'm making music, um, I want to, I want to see, I'm making for music for how it's going to sound in like the club and yeah. with no club, it's made it open up the boundaries a little bit. So I'm not making music for that. It's like, I'm making music for when you're just chilling or yeah, uh, any scenario that's not the club. So it, it's <laughs> kind of like not bounding as much. So I think that opens it up a bit for what you can like do from a production standpoint and where you're headed um, with the type of like elements you put in there and the vibe you create. Totally. I, I've been asking that question to everybody and I got to say, everybody gives a little bit different of an answer. Some people are like, I say I'm holding on to music because of this and that. Some people say, like what you said, I'm producing totally different music because I don't know when I can share it. Some people say I haven't felt creative. And I think that, again, is, is the interesting part about where we're at right now. The one thing we know about next year is we don't know. And I think when it comes to music production, everyone's kind of just like, fuck it. This is my chance. Like, I interviewed this guy. I'm not sure you heard of him. He's from SoCal. His name's Skunka. Oh, and, yeah. He's, um, I think he's part of, like, the Jackson squad, too. And, yeah. uh he might have played that festival at the same time, to be honest. He might have, yeah. He was like, he was not like necessarily relieved. Relieved isn't the right word, but he felt like there wasn't the pressure of like someone who makes music like you that like you made music to be at played at the club, right? And now that's gone. And now he's like, dude, I can actually try some new things and not feel like, oh, damn, if this isn't a club hit or a festival hit, it's not going to get played, right? And I think that's going to be a beautiful thing in 2021 is this resurgence of just true music you know what i mean yeah for like the intrinsic reasons more so than like like we were talking about earlier about how it'll sound elsewhere to other people i mean that's all extrinsic so do it for yourself do it for yourself and everything else will make more sense right yeah 100 percent. i love that man great answer now i want to ask real quick too of course like it's been a tough year you're in grad school you're balancing a ton of different things right now this year, past years, have you had any obstacles you've had to overcome? How'd you get through them as an artist, as a person? Anything notable to share for people trying to make it in the game? Um, I think, like, you know, I think it's kind of just touching on, like, what I had just said before about mm -hmm. um, it's, just, it's just hard to, like, find. For, like, for myself and I feel like others, it's probably difficult to, like, figure out trying to figure out the best way to word this what do you what are you making the music for like why mm -hmm. what the reason is and like with the obstacles of like covid just I, I think going back to that yeah just figuring out what the reason is that you're making the music and who is it for is it for you is it for someone else is it for how it'll sound here is it for how it'll sound in your headphones when it's just you it's yeah. it's just different reasons and so like i think i got i think i got lucky that what i like to make um comes off as you know appropriate for a lot of different settings and it sounds good to people yeah so I, I, I think i got lucky in that way but i think just that obstacle of like trying to figure out like what what i wanted to make because it's i mean i feel like when you open up a doll like ableton it's just it can be a lot really daunting yeah and there's just like an almost like when you open netflix and there's like too many options and you like don't even know how to like start <laughs> yeah so well watching nothing so you just scroll I think that it's fucking scroll i feel like that's about that was an obstacle just trying to figure out like what exactly i wanted to make 
<laughs> so I think that just kind of relating back to the last question, I think that that was probably a, a little bit of an overcoming. It's not probably not the best answer, but that's just the first thing that came to my head. Yeah. No, I understand. And I think that actually is something that every producer struggles with is putting themselves out there, right? Like taking that first big step. And I mean, yeah. Going from take me there to in a short period of time, bro, like you really have made some big strides. Like from taking, like going through everything here, listening to your inspirations, your influences, like you're about it and I can see it. And it's clear that other people can see it too. That's why you're at where you're at right now. So you're obviously a humble guy, David, but you deserve everything that's coming your way, bro. For real. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Of course, man. What can you tell us about 2021 though? You mentioned a few things. Space Yacht, you're opening up a venue in San Diego, which I'll be first in line on the first day if I absolutely can, which is fucking absolutely. awesome. What can you tell us about any music coming up or plans for the next year? Um, yeah, I mean, I just started working with a new like manager, and so I'm excited. I mean, it's my first, first manager, really, and so I'm excited to see you know, how that goes, where that can lead, because, I mean... He probably knows a lot more people than I do, so I don't. I don't know where my music's going to end up. That's yeah. I think that's the anticipation, um, and you know, it's something that I was also talking to Kyle about um, maybe a couple months ago. Is a lot of the labels that exist, my sound doesn't really make sense for them. Yeah, I mean, even I, I even none of the songs I've made now, I don't even think would work at Box of Cats at this point. I think that Give Me More track was like <laughs> the one that seem to fit in some way so that's why i sent it and i haven't like even considered any of the ones that appropriate for that or like any of the other bigger labels so i think that something that kyle struggles with that he was talking to me uh kyle watson and yeah. myself he's talking he was telling me like yeah like if you listen to my music especially towards the beginning it doesn't really make sense for any existing label either <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's it i mean that's i think is the struggle for me is like you know, you need obviously some sort of having like a big label is obviously really helpful to get your music out and push it. But if it's not a lot of people, some people make music and it's like, that that sounds exactly like that label. Like you, everything you make is going to go to that label. And that is just not the case, not the case for me. So I think that that's going to be what 2021 is hopefully trying to resolve is maybe figuring out where to put it and what to do with it and what's the best route. So um, I don't know. I have like probably at least 10, or 12 other unreleased songs right now that I'm just excited to figure out where they go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I mean, hey, listen, I think at the end of the day, man, sometimes you got to just get it out there. So maybe maybe your music doesn't fit on a label right now, but it's it's okay. And, and I think what you said earlier really, really hit me because it is crazy how long sometimes you have to wait for a song to get released on a label because of everything that goes into it. And then by the time you release it, you're producing a totally different type of music. And then you're like, shit, is this going to take a year as well? So yeah, I, I feel 100%. you. I feel you on that. It's, it's just so who knows? Maybe I'll just self-release it. <laughs> self-release it. Give it to the people, man. Be a, I, might, I might end up just doing that. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you should. I don't know. All I know is I don't want to do the waiting game because, I mean, just waiting for Cake to come out after for like a year was just painful when it came out. And it's like I'm excited anymore. <laughs> it's been so long since I've made this. It's ridiculous. 
I, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just maybe 2021 will be a more of a self-releasing year. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we can both agree that 2020 flew by. I don't know about you. I, I think it just like I can't believe it's like already Christmas. It's unbelievable to me. I'm, Is it Hanukkah? What's the day? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a good question. I'm not the best Jew. I'm me neither. Non-religious, but <laughs> culturally. I'm a, December, uh, I'm a cultural Jew. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cultural Jew and I'm not paying attention to when the holidays are. <laughs> David, I was just talking to one of my other uh, Jewish friends about that too. Like my dad is Jewish. My mom's not, but like, I'm just like my dad. I associate like with the culture of Judaism so much more. And we go, listen, can we just cut the bullshit? You don't have to be an Orthodox Jew to be affiliated with the Jewish culture anymore. And I was like, finally, somebody said it. So it's okay. It's okay to be Jewish, but not know when Hanukkah starts. Well, it's actually, that's a sin, but you know what I mean. It's all about the culture, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that Judaism, that Judaism as a culture is like one of the most welcoming groups too. 100%. Like every, every Friday, people are just like, come over, eat Shabbat dinner with us. It's, you know, even the fact that Israel welcomes birthright as like a normal thing that they pay for. What was that? Have you done birthright yet? Yeah, 2017, actually, right after I graduated undergrad. Um, I flew out of, flew, I went to New York and flew out of there because my cousin who lives in Manhattan was staffing the trip. And um, it was just awesome. unreal. We did, the, we, we did like the, like the really outdoorsy one. Uh, it throughout real outdoors where it's not like super religion focused. It's more like doing cool shit like surfing and hiking and rafting and sunrise hikes, that kind of thing. I was going to go this year with my brother. Obviously, that did not happen. Uh, I was really sad about that because I was really looking forward to that experience. But it's definitely on the docket for me, for sure, because I'm right there with you, man. Like, Judaism is is such a great culture. So maybe that's why we got along so well. Fuck, it always makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? Part of the tribe. Yeah. yeah, you should definitely figure out how to make that work. Um, I think that, like, 28 is maybe the cutoff, but I think there maybe if you didn't and you had it planned, so they'd extend it. I feel like they'd do something like that. I'm gonna That's go the type of culture that would. <laughs> <laughs> they sure they'd find looking. a way to make it work. Hey, Jewish people, we'd like to strike a deal here and there, right? As long as it makes You're sense for both parties. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> David, this has been so much fun, man. I'm glad we got to have an extended interview. The sun went down. I mean, that's how you know it was a good time, bro. Can't stop talking. Yeah, I'm so glad we uh, figured out how to pull it off. So, you know, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Of course, man. You don't have to thank me. It's, it's really my pleasure. Uh, I just want to say again, I love your music, man. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. I'm looking forward to seeing what the next year and beyond holds for you. Um, and I'm really excited to meet you in person one day as well. But keep doing your thing, man. Your inspiration to me, so many others. I can't, I can't wait to see people fucking know what medieval vibes are all about. Let's go, dude. People need to know. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, you got to be uh, first out here to check out the new venue too when it opens up. We got, we'll stay in contact for sure. Definitely, man. I'll talk to you soon. And thank you again, David. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you, buddy. Have a good right. week.